My name is Krishna Sadasavan, and this is who I am. My guest today is animator and web cartoonist Krishna Sadasivan. Welcome to the show, Krishna. Thank you for having me, Jamie. Mm, yeah, no problem. So you are um, an animator and a web cartoonist. It's uh, is, the, is the term I've seen you yes. use. Yes. Um, yes. And I didn't notice you were born in Canada, right? Mm-hmm. Winnipeg. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And and but you moved to America pretty soon after you were born, or. Uh, about there. seven years. My, my father was a professor at the University of Manitoba. Uh-huh. And uh, so we'd stayed there for about seven years or so. And then he wanted to get back into the industry. So we moved uh, to the U.S., specifically Charlotte, North Carolina, mm-hmm. uh, in the late 70s. Okay. And, um, <clears throat> and then you went to school first in Tennessee? Is that right? Uh, college or? Uh, college, yes. Sorry. Oh, college, yes. Uh, yeah, I went to the University of Tennessee uh, mm-hmm. College. Uh, we moved around a lot when I was a kid. So, okay. you know, initially my, uh, my dad was in textile engineering and then he switched over to civil and nuclear engineering. Mm-hmm. So because of his position, we moved around a lot uh, across the United States, primarily on the East Coast. Right. So I lived in almost... Uh, all the states that are out there in the east side, uh, with maybe a few exceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the the, you, the first thing you studied was electrical energy engineering, right? Yes, I did double uh, E for four years, and then went on to get my master's in electrical, and then uh, worked as a chip designer for another um, two and a half three years before deciding that I wanted to change my life. Uh-huh. What what spurred that on? What made you want to change? Uh, just, uh, you know, engineering was something that I did because, uh, it was really, uh, you know, something that was quote unquote stable. At mm-hmm. least my parents, you know, felt that, uh, me being an artist would just be me on the streets. Uh, happily that hasn't happened. Knock on wood. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, they just, it took them a while to come around to it. And, uh, I just, you know, as an engineer, I was never quite, you know, happy. I always felt like, I was um, missing out on something mm-hmm. and I just projected my life uh, 15, 20 years out and I just knew that I'd be very unhappy if I didn't you know, take a risk and, and try it now. So in my late 20s, I went back to school. I mm-hmm. went to the Savannah College of Art and Design and focused on animation. And uh, after that, um, you know, kind of, while I was a student, I, I picked up freelance work and started doing a lot of things on the side. And then... Um, a few chance experiences, a uh, graduate teaching assistant, uh, I think I started to really fall in love with the idea of teaching at that point. And um, so after graduation, I uh, had a post at the Art Institute of Tampa, uh, which I've been teaching for about 10 plus years there. And uh, the last year or so, I've also been teaching at the University of South Florida. Right. Okay. And were you were you doing um, were you cartooning during that that break when you were were still uh, working as a chip designer up until you went to, back to school? 
Yeah, actually, uh, I was uh, doing the cartoons. I, I've always been drawing. So mm -hmm. when the web came out, um, I wanted to find a way that I could contribute. And uh, I just received Photoshop, just received a tablet, or purchased these things as an engineer and um, wanted to, you know, try my hand at the web scene. So I cobbled together a website and then drew some really awful looking comics and put them up there without really giving too much thought to an audience or anything like that. Because I think in 1998, there were very, very few online comics to begin with. I mm -hmm. think you could probably count on your fingers how many people were doing it. And I, I was completely oblivious as to other web cartoonists. I just did this for my own, you know, uh, kicks. Right. And, right. um, then I received an email saying, Hey, when's the next one coming out? I'm like, wow, people are actually reading this trash. Okay. <laughs> but come up with something else. And I've been doing comics online for 18 years. So it started when I was an engineer, um, and, uh, just continued all throughout. So I continued it while I was a student, uh, at the Savannah college of art and design. And I've been continuing it, uh, yeah, pretty much from 1998. Mm. And because of your, your background working uh, with computers and and, um, and understanding that side of things, do you think it was just a natural uh, progression for you to, to or a natural move for you to gravitate towards web comics, or, or was that something that um, that you realized would be would be good for you to do back then? Well, back then, you know, getting an audience in the print world meant going through newspaper editors, and uh, I certainly tried my hand at that, receiving um, a beautiful rejection note from Jay Kennedy, mm -hmm. uh, a sample packet, and um, I, I just felt like the web, there was a chance to kind of do something different, n not necessarily fall underneath um, any kind of editorial constraints. You could just put it out there and, and just see what happens, and the engineering side of me kind of liked the idea of, you know, merging technology with art. I've always been fascinated with both. And, you know, despite the fact that I wasn't so hot in engineering, I've always liked to play around with computers and technology. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it kind of felt like a good marriage between the two. Right. And did it, and so you, you, uh, you were creating art digitally quite early on, right? You were, yes. you got the tablet and. Yes, I received all of these things. I, I purchased them, uh, you know, in late 97 and really didn't have any clue as to how to run any of it. There weren't that many books on the subject and certainly there were no YouTube videos or anything of that sort. I mean, YouTube didn't even exist. Mm -hmm. So I took a few days off of work and I went to something called Photoshop World. It was a conference in Orlando. It was the first of its kind. And I think it's been running continuously for like the past, you know, uh, 17 or I'm sorry, uh, yeah, 17 or 18 years. But I went there, you know, not really knowing anything about the tool, but I was excited. And I, I went to this conference. I saw these fantastic designers just doing amazing what looked like magic tricks to me. And I, I just knew that this is my calling. It's like, I want to do something with technology and art and you know these digital tools i think give me that chance to kind of scratch that itch mm -hmm. mm. um um was pc weenies was the first uh, strip that you started to create or was there something before then oh, i was just pc weenies uh i had done some comics in uh college when i was actually studying engineering for about uh two semesters or so i um had a comic strip called wildlife mm-hmm 
which was a few anthropomorphic characters in college, kind of doing their college things, hijinks. And that was really my first um, publishing gig. And it was kind of neat because that college newspaper at the University of Tennessee had a, had a pretty large circulation. So it was just a nice way to kind of just test the waters and see what that would have been like or, you know, that whole experience. And I really liked that. Mm -hmm. uh, so got me to think about publishing on a daily regimen. And I was actually hand inking and, um, you know, um, hand lettering uh, all those comics. And it was with PC Winnie's that I decided to go ahead and, and, and really figure out this whole digital thing. Mm. Okay. And uh, tell us a little bit about PC Winnie's, about the, the idea behind it. And, and it's three times a week now you put it out, right? Uh, it's actually, it used to be three times a week. Now it's t uh, twice a week. Oh, okay. um, and it's only owing to the fact that my teaching schedule, because I'm teaching at campuses now, it's just something has to give, Jamie. So it's like <laughs> I, you know, I can't, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to pull time, uh, you know, uh, in areas where time really doesn't exist. Yeah. So I had to kind of just to maintain my sanity, I've dropped back to two a week. But uh, PC Winnie's is a tech strip and kind of a tech geek comic uh, focusing around the lives of the Wiener family. That's why it's called PC Weenies. It's not a political statement or anything else like that. <laughs> a lot of people will ask me, it's like, oh, PC Weenies, is that, you know, is that something political related? I'm like, no, it's just about a family called the Wieners. And I just thought that PC Weenies sounded funny, PC <laughs> being the personal computer and Weenies being someone who's just kind of really kind of a nerdish kind of, um, you know, introverted uh, type you know, guy. And I was really thinking about Bob, mm -hmm. who's the principal protagonist in the strip. Uh, so the comic started out as a single panel. Well, actually, it started out as a strip comic. And then for a number of years, I uh, was in this single panel comic routine. Um, and I quite liked it. I was a huge fan of the far side and mm -hmm. I always found Gary Larson's humor to be really quirky. And I wanted to do something with that with PC Weenies. But then in 2008, uh, I, I felt like I needed to kind of move on beyond the single panel strips because the characters themselves in these in these comics really didn't grow or evolve. And I really wanted to get into what makes the characters tick. So from 2008 forward, um, I started producing uh, four panel strips uh, and that was thrice a week up until about a year and a half ago. Mm. And it seems like you you. you you've got the process down where you're quite quick now to, to get from the moment that you get the idea to get it completely finished. You know, I, um, you have the, you send out quite regular um, updates through uh, Patreon and through, um, you have like a, a email sign up and mm -hmm. the process work there seems like it comes pretty quickly. Is that, is that just because you've got the, the process down now or is it that, um, um. I, honestly, it's just like it's become kind of like a uh, routine in terms of uh, I have to one of the things that I've learned over the course of time is just to kind of trust my instincts. Mm -hmm. I remember a point when I first started doing these comics and, and trying to get into a regular routine that I would be sitting at my computer for hours just staring like, where is this idea going to come from? And I would just get so frustrated with that whole process. And but time and time again, I would be able to come up with something. So now I've just learned to kind of just trust that instinct and, and not really fight with it too hard. Sometimes the storyline is, you know, a little bit difficult or whatever, but I have a general idea of where it's going. So kind of an outline helps me kind of keep things in track. And every now and then the characters might, um, you know, speak something, you know, where I can kind of hear what they're going to say or kind of get a sense of what they might actually do in that situation. So things change. But I've just trusted the process now, and um, uh, 
now it's on a question of, uh, am I going to be able to come up with an idea? It's more like a statement, like I am going to come up with two ideas and I am going to crank it out on Sunday, uh, for the comics for the week. Mm -hmm. And that's, that seemed to help, uh, help me kind of go through that process. I don't really believe in writer's block to me. Um, you know, if I'm staring, if I'm sitting at the computer for too long, yes. I mean, you just get stale and you get tired, but I move around a lot and, um, I'm starting to, uh, kind of like journal and that seems to also keep the ideas coming as well. Mm -hmm. Hmm. As, uh, because of how technology is now, so the the pace of how, how quickly everything changes, is that, is that good for you in terms of uh, material or, is it do you find that it sometimes gets in the way that you you find stuff is out of date before you even get the chance to get to the joke or yeah that, i mean i've had to switch more towards a storyline flavor only because of the fact that you know on social media jokes just seem to pop up so fast once upon a time there was a way you could actually capitalize on the fact that some new story comes out and then you could draw something and it, it would be relevant or it would be fresh or it would be on someone's radar, it would be on dig.com or something. But mm-hmm. now everybody w- with just a photo and a meme can kind of put something out. So uh, I've had to, I just wanted to kind of, you know, move away from, you know, something that's overly like, oh, this is the big tech news for the week to kind of more along the lines of, maybe I'll incorporate some of that stuff with the characters, but it's not necessarily, uh, you know, an end unto itself. It's, you know, if I feel like talking about something topical, I'll do it. But, Mm. uh, I try to go in through the side door as opposed to being, you know, like, Hey, this is a comic about Microsoft today. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it it may or may not last. And that's part of the reason. I mean, it's been a number of years since I put out a book and the real big hesitation for that book initially it started out on really kind of a, good note and I've got most of the second book done but then I started thinking about the fact that many of these tech jokes that were in the book will you know I I don't know if they will necessarily you know I don't know if those are going to be evergreen so my concern with that has been um, if I make this book and the jokes are all you know circa 2010 2011 uh, is the audience going to be interested in that I mean there's some story stuff there too but um, I don't know that that's really where my hesitation has come from in terms of publishing continuing chapters as book format. Right. Hmm. And it, yeah, the idea of, uh, especially with social media, you kind of touched upon the idea that if something happens, there's such a, an avalanche now of, of jokes from yeah. everywhere that, that people just burn out almost instantly, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you might put something up and it's like, oh, I'm the 11th person to come up with something very similar along those lines. Or it could be encapsulated in a tweet. I mm-hmm. mean, honestly, it's like uh, some of the folks that I follow are, are fantastic with their sense of humor and they can just knock out a tweet that encapsulates exactly what I would c- try to formulate into a four panel strip. So I have to go beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, where there's uh, a PC Weenies is it's you have it up on uh, its own website, but there's also a few places that it's published, right? Or is is it the other um, the Uncubed? Is that the one that? Is, oh well, is- I have Uncubed. Uncubed was an auto bio strip that I uh, ran from about 2007 to about 2010. It updated once a week, and you know I do have some plans to bring that strip back 
the hurdles that I have to overcome there are just retooling the website and, and kind of making it fresh again because it definitely has that stale website feel to it. Hmm. Um, PC Weenies was syndicated on a few different sites and, you know, it was kind of like scattershot in different places. But uh, I also do another comic for a company called Otherworld Computing called The Other World, which, uh, you know, is they've been uh, a client of mine for the last six years and I've been producing comics for them. Uh, that have more of that, you know, straight up tech feel. So it is a little bit more topical. So I've kind of moved those comics off to the other world and, uh, PC weenies is more narrative based now. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, you mentioned Gary Larson and that, that's someone who I, I remember just being completely in love with his humor and, and just being in awe of how, masterfully was at creating a, a joke from one image or just coming up with such a great idea and it's it's such a shame now that that um that newspaper strips and and especially the syndicated strips have, has died out almost and it's such a, a an art now, form that's that's ignored and now and now the other issue too is there's so much wonderful content out there i i feel like you know it can be overwhelming almost to keep up with everything that's going on there are certainly so many, you know, web cartoons that are out there. And I understand, per, you know, perfectly naturally that there are so many people, uh, people have so much time in the day, right? So mm-hmm. they be able to read everything. Once upon a time, I used to have an RSS feed where I would try to keep up with things, but I just quickly fell out of that because it just became too much like work. It's like, I want to enjoy these comics. And so that's where I usually end up buying a book because, you know, I can, I can focus on it. I can read you know, a uh, collected edition at my leisure and not have to worry about keeping up with it uh, day after day because it just it becomes tiring. So um, that's the challenge. I think everything like all these new sites and social media have just kind of gone overboard to the point where everyone's tired of just new stuff. And uh, one of the other things that I also do on PCWindies.com is I write tech reviews. Mm-hmm. But my own spin on that is I like to write reviews. I know that a lot of people like to do YouTube for these type of things, but I, I feel like I can express my thoughts clearly uh, when I write. And I also don't update every single day, unlike uh, other sites. I like to live with the products for a while mm-hmm. uh, before I write about them. So, you know, I, I'm all for like curated content, quality content as opposed to quantity. Right. Hmm. And what's your process for, for actually getting um, a strip done? Is it when you do you uh, write full scripts and then uh, build the, the the gag from that, or is it more is it a looser style that you work with? Or? I have to admit, it is a looser style, and um, you know, I have a general outline. It's not written, but it's just kind of a thing that I keep in the back of my head mm-hmm. as far as I want to have happen, and then I'll actually write the script on the four panels themselves. So I have a four panel template. And I will literally populate that template with the with the sequence of uh, dialogue leading up to the punchline. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'll, po- I'll post that up on Patreon to get some feedback. I've got some folks that are very vocal about providing feedback, you know, correcting spelling errors and things like that, you know. Um, and then I'll go back and I'll draw it. And sometimes during the course of writing the dialogue and then putting the finished strip, of course, there might be some word changes, wordsmithing occurring to kind of hone it and revise it. But that's just part of the process. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. And is everything done through Creative Suite or do you use other programs? Or? Um, well, for the text and uh, for the template, those are all PSD files and coloring. I like Photoshop a lot for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I go ahead and pencil and ink using uh, Clip Studio Paint uh, just because it feels like it's a little bit more um, more natural to draw with that. With Photoshop, for me, at least in my experience, I feel like Photoshop tends to lag and it, you know, lagging means that it just when I when I make a mark on the on the Cintiq, you know, it takes like a few milliseconds for it to catch up with my movement. So, um, Clip Studio Paint's a, qu- a pretty affordable alternative, and it's uh, also you buy it and it's yours. You don't have to subscribe to it monthly. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you have you mentioned that you have two teaching jobs and um, you have a family. So how, what do you do to, to make sure that you have time to do this or, or um, to, to make sure that you, you have a way of creating without taking away from those other places? Um, it's really time management. I've had to, uh, I pretty much write down lists. I, re- I realized early on that I was terrible at remembering things. I'm <laughs> at remembering things. Um, so I have a tool called OmniFocus that I use to kind of write down the tasks for the day and the week. I even tell my students too, it's, uh, you know, they'll tell me something after class. I'm like, I know what you're saying. I'm hearing what you're saying, but by the time I leave the building, there's five or six other people that'll stop and talk to me. So please email it. I'm, I'm all about like, send me emails or send me some kind of a text reminder. Um, and that, you know, having something like OmniFocus uh, has really, really helped me in terms of kind of like remembering the things that I have to do. And I have my days kind of like regimented out. Mm-hmm. I'm also trying to get better about, um, you know, sleeping. Uh, I think that's one <laughs> of my goals for 2017. It's I don't stay up nearly as late as I used to. Sometimes I would just sit, sit up and, you know, draw until, you know, 12 or 1 and then teach class at 8 o'clock in the morning. And I've just... Maybe it's just the fact that I'm just, you know, not wanting to burn myself out or maybe I'm treasuring my sleep a little bit more. I think that's probably what it is. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm going to bed at a decent time now, like, say, 11 o'clock or 1130 as opposed to burning the midnight oil. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I don't know how to answer that, really. It's like I, sometimes, you know, you can't keep to the schedule because something comes up in life and you just have to kind of work around it. Um, typically with a comic, uh, I find that if I start writing the scripts in, on Sunday morning, I can usually get them complete by Sunday afternoon or in some cases Sunday evening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that's taken care of. And then some other freelance obligations have different schedules. So I just have to kind of manage it out. I just have a mental game plan of what I want to do. And of course, family comes first. So my girls go to bed you know, fairly early. I mean, nine, nine thirty ish. So I usually have time like about an hour and a half window after that to go ahead and monkey around on the computer. Right. Um, so I think we're about the same age, but you, you grew up, it seems like you're very much the, like a, a, a product of Marvel's bronze age. And, and that seems like that's a real thing that you enjoy uh, yeah. reading. Um, is that, were, were comics always part of your life or? Do you remember? Always, always. always. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's funny. I didn't get introduced to Marvel until uh, about 1986 or uh-huh. so, 1987. Uh, maybe a little bit earlier than that, maybe 1985. But um, before that, I was a huge fan of um, the Warner Brothers cartoons. And my first introduction to comics were actually through uh, Gold Key Comics. Hmm. 
they used to have these uh, packets where you could, uh, there was a plastic bag that would contain three comics and they would be on the spinner racks at the department stores and the grocery stores. And I remember asking my parents to get me a Roadrunner comic because Roadrunner was my favorite cartoon of all time. And, you know, getting those books and reading them, my parents, of course, were thrilled that I was just reading, you know, so <laughs> they encouraged that habit and I got many more comics. But it was around the time where um, about 1985 or so I discovered these Marvel comics and I discovered them actually through television because um, I was really into uh, G.I. Joe and Transformers, those cartoons that came out in the mid to uh, late 80s. Mm -hmm. And I would see the advertisements for G.I. Joe comics and Transformers comics. They would actually make these 30 second promos advertising comics. I think that's the first and last time I've ever seen something like that happen on television. But it got me into the store. And it just so happened that where I was living at the time in New Hampshire, the library that I would uh, visit was about a block away from the comic shop. So I started to learn very early on that I could just tell my parents, hey, I'm going to the library. Can you drop me off? And then I would just wait for them to get out of uh, <laughs> drive off and I would sneak down to the comic shop and I would go ahead and buy a few comics. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it was like Transformers or G.I. Joe, one of those comics um, that kind of introduced me to Marvel. And then I got into the Marvel. Um, then I got into things like Power Man and Iron Fist and, and, and stuff like that and. It's just from from that point on, I think from my teen years, I could start to really identify with a lot of these Marvel superheroes. Mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, for me, the Bronze Age is the best uh, only because it, it didn't take itself so seriously. Yeah. Now I feel comics have gotten, you know, they're just too grim and gritty and too serious and so full of trying to be uh, everything to everybody. They're, they have to be like, you know, cinema. And it's like, you know, we have to enjoy them for what they are. They're just you know, fun entertainment. And, um, it, it really tickles me to kind of find out that there are people that just get into arguments about, you know, um, Oh, this isn't realistic. It's like, huh, it's a comic, you know, it's, it's not <laughs> realistic. It's supposed to be fun, you know, enjoy it. Yeah. And I, I feel like some of that stuff gets lost in, in comics, but I think, you know what, I, I think the comics that are out today, mm -hmm. I, I get a lot of, um, uh, you know, I'm getting a lot more into, you know, actually I'm following comics for good story and good art mm. and I'm less wedded to a particular character. Um, I think that, you know, like for me, Mark Wade and Chris Samney, uh, I mean, on, on Daredevil, I never cared for Daredevil as a character, but those two did such a superb job when they were on the Daredevil book that it really made me really enjoy the character. Mm. And I think that's what's fascinating. It's like you can take any uh, any good writer and good artist and you can make uh, your audience care about them in, in kind of like, you know, in, in such a way that they may not have necessarily cared about before. Kind of like what Walter Simonson did with uh, Thor and, you know, John Byrne and Chris Claremont did with the X-Men. I mean, it's amazing how you can revitalize something if you just put the right people uh, on the task. Yeah. Yeah, and give them give, give them the time to to build yeah. their voice, you know, on those books. Like um, you mentioned, uh, Chris Claremont and, and John Byrne, they they were, you know, they, they on the X Men, they were given so much room to to yeah. build the story and build the world together that it it sometimes it, feels with comics now they they lack that. Yeah, they do. I mean, it's like, and I I feel like you know the creator on comics is is really the most exciting part. Like many of the comics that I read now are. 
you know, they're under the image imprint, but I like Southern Bastards. It's a great comic. Um, you know, uh, I read, uh, Andrew McLean's, uh, Headlopper series. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, uh, uh, Frank Barbary and Chris, uh, Mooneyham's, uh, five ghosts. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like it, it's like you've got, cre- you get creators that are creating work that they themselves absolutely love. And I love supporting that type of storytelling where, you know, they are given the free range to do what they want. They're not part of a commercial entity where, you know, everything has to return back to status quo. You know, all the toys go back into the same sandbox and then someone else gets to play with them. This is, you know, these comics like to take chances and they tell great stories. And that's what I find really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. There's a freedom that the the last two of those that you mentioned were kickstarted and there's like a freedom of, of creativity that, that seems to come from not feeling the pressure of having to create for someone else or not feeling the pressure of having to, to tell that story within a confine, you know? Yeah. I think comics are really in, in, in a renaissance period right now. There, there's so many great comics. And what's exciting to me is you see such a diverse pool of people coming into the comic shop, at least the one that I go to. It's not just, you know, 40 or 50 something year old men. Uh, that are that are walking to these shops, but you have people from all ranges. You've got little kids. You've got, you know, uh, I, I can bring my daughter into the comic shop, and there are things that she can go ahead and read, and I think that's just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and she loves the, um, you know, the graphic novels by Raina Telgemeier. Oh know, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the Babysitters Club and Ghosts. I mean, she's read them all. And uh, another great comic is Mike Mayhack's um, uh, Cleopatra in Space. She absolutely adores that, too. Yeah. So, I mean, this is great. I mean, comics that can reach every audience. At one point, it was only superheroes for a large majority of people. But now it's it's so diverse. Yeah. Have you ever wanted to to do something that's more in that vein? More, um, You've done some longer form PC Weenie stories, but something that's more... Uh, like in the traditional comic book format out of that, that uh, out of the strip world. I would love to do that. Uh, I've done a few, I've dabbled with a few writers where, you know, I've, you know, done a four page thing, um, you know, that was, uh, that I was hired on to go ahead and do. And I've done some work for shatter the anthology. It's an Asian American superhero anthology did about 10 pages for them. Mm -hmm. I would love to be able to collaborate and, you know, kind of test my mettle against, you know, a 24 page book or even like a short story, like a, a backup story or something. Mm. Um, that would be a, a lot of fun. I'm just waiting for the for an opportunity like that to show up. Right. Hmm. And with um, animation, do you do you still do any animating work yourself or is that? Is that I, you know, I, I do. Um, and uh, it's not nearly as frequent as the illustration work that I get. So. Um, with animation, of course, it's much more time consuming and it it takes some, you know, it takes a lot of effort and it's kind of difficult for me just to go ahead and I've got such a short attention span. It's difficult for me to kind of just see something on for that long, Mm -hmm. but I do love the medium of animation and I do love, um, you know, working with it. So I, I'll produce little things here and there, but it's nothing like, that's going to win film festivals. It's just things that I do just to kind of puddle around. Mm. Have you done anything with the, the PC weenies characters? You animated them? I have not. Um, and part of that is that, well, you know, most of these characters are, are fairly like, uh, 
you know, Bob sits at his desk. <laughs> there's just not, there's not much movement there. But I get that I get asked that a lot. And, you know, there are some ideas that I'm kicking around, but, you know, I'm waiting to find something that's going to really uh, work well. Maybe I have to get someone else to go ahead and write that. And then for me, it's like, I, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to animate, I would like to be able to just work with a writer and, and develop something and then storyboard it and then animate it. I, I feel like having to do the whole thing uh, just, you know, it, it's a process. I would have to give up the comics for sure. I would have to stop the comics because for me, it's like when I, when I get focused on a task, I want to be able to see it through from start to finish, mm-hmm. and, you know, animation, like if you're, if you're doing it as a solo act, um, 24 frames per second. Right. And then you're having to deal with a five minute short that could take you, uh, you know, two years, yeah. two, three, it's an investment in time. I was watching this, uh, there was a teaser animation by some folks in the Netherlands. Uh, maybe you've seen it. It's like that Indiana Jones, um, compilation. It was a beautifully animated, um, Indiana Jones montage where you kind of see him, um, going through these different acts and it was like about 30 seconds or about a minute long, but that Mm -hmm. took five years to make. (laughs) So it's like, you know, do I love animation? Yes. Do I wish I have more time to dedicate to it? Yes. Um, <laughs> on both counts. The other thing that I'm also a little bit frustrated with that I'm kind of hoping that maybe I'll find a good solution. I, I animate and I have animated with Flash and currently um, Adobe Animate. Um, I've heard things about Toon Boom. I haven't played around with that so much. The little bit that I've played around with it, just it just seems like it's um, fairly complex. There's a high learning curve. So I have to kind of dedicate myself to that. But I really want something where I can use and have the brushes that I'm working with in Clip Studio Paint and be able to animate the way I draw. Because a lot of times these tools, you have to compromise your drawing style or you have to draw your, your line style to kind of match the, the limitations of what the tool are. Mm-hmm. So and I know that Clip Studio Paint has an animation com- uh, component, but it does. It lacks a very efficient timeline like Animate does. And the way some folks do it is they'll use two different tools. They'll go ahead and do their rough animation with an Animate, export it out as a as an image sequence, and then pretty everything up in Photoshop and then bring it back in. It's just there's a lot of like going back and forth between applications to get that kind of look that you want. Mm-hmm. Or there's this deep learning curve with the tool that does everything. So uh, that's another reason why I just feel a little bit kind of frustrated. I don't know if that's making excuses or not, but that's just how I feel. Right. Hmm. Do you do conventions at all? Or do... I did. And then, um, I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> I did conventions. I enjoyed it while I did it, but now it just seems like the, the shows that I would go to were largely, um, like, well, Megacon, for example, mm-hmm. which is a great show if you're just wa- wandering around and you want to see everybody. But as an independent artist, you were definitely, you, you felt like you were simply providing the money to bring in someone like Stan Lee or some other famous celebrity. And, you know, the artists in Artist Alley don't really get the same kind of love that they really should. These, these, um, these type of shows are all about, oh, can I make a print of Captain America, my take on Captain America and sell it? And, and um, you know, it's only a matter of time, I think, before these big, you know, companies start cracking down on that stuff. So mm. the show that I would love to go back and do again, 
uh, would be SPX, the Small Press Expo. That's an absolutely fantastic show right. uh, for ind- independent creators because people that go to that show are looking for something new. So if I had to do one show, I would do that one. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I'd lo- I'd, that's one that I've always wanted to do, but I'm not sure if the, the stuff that I put out would would get in there and and make sense there because it's so it's such a traditional superhero style that i, I don't know but, but i've heard I good think things about it would, as long as it's it's got like an indie feel to it yeah why not i mean mm. um i wouldn't let that worry you jamie it's uh, i think it's uh you know there are some superhero stuff that's represented there's also you know it, it goes from a very eclectic style to like fancy graphics and things like that so right you know the fact that you're an independent writer that's creating a book i think that's all you need to go ahead and you know, um, set up at SPX. Mm, yeah, that's good to know. Ah. Um, so with, uh, uh, Patreon, it's, it's, you're one of the, there's a few people I, I, um, uh, follow on that service and you're one of the most, uh, like the, the cleanest users, <laughs> uh, for lack of a better phrase. It's, it, it's very clear of, of, how uh, how you communicate like you mentioned before that sometimes you'll post stuff up and you'll look for feedback on on um, strips and stuff like that do you do you like patreon do you i do i do i I feel like it's a good outlet to share my work um in a way where people who who like it can support it Mm -hmm. um because otherwise you really don't get a chance to really know who's reading your stuff or who really is your you know uh I don't want to use the word fan, but someone who really likes what you do. And, um, I, I like that interaction. I, I wish there was a little bit more, quite frankly, but, um, mm-hmm. I like the interaction that I get and I try to really give back something to the people that support my efforts. So hopefully, hopefully they're digging it. Hmm. And where else is your, your stuff? You, you have, like I mentioned before, you have the, the PC weenies uh, website, you've got the Patreon, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, where what what other places do you, can people find your work? Uh, I have a portfolio website, KrishnaDraws.com, dot com, mm-hmm. uh, and I I generally update um, on I, I put up smaller versions of the images, but it gives you a good flavor for the type of stuff that I like to do. And then the high res stuff is usually behind the paywall on Patreon. Okay, cool. Well, thank you very much, Krishna. Thank you, Jamie. It was awesome yeah. talking to you. Thank you. Yeah, good speaking with you too. That's it for the show. We'll be back in two weeks. You can find us online at whoiampodcast.com and contact us by email at whoiam at gmail.com or by phone at 818-308-4066. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, there is a submissions form on the site. We're also on iTunes where you can leave a rating if you feel inclined. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Jamie Gamble, and this was This Is Who I Am.